is my podcast about? A podcast where we, on a bi-weekly basis... Fortnightly. Fortnightly. I'm, I'm refusing. Get your words right. I'm refusing to say that. It's more clear of a term. Anyway, on that basis, we try to figure out what topic we would like to continue talking about each episode. And I'm a friendly neighborhood stranger pulled off the street, joined by your two hosts, Peter. Hello. And Keith. Hey. And, uh... Today's topic for today, do we want to get right into that, or do you guys have anything you want to talk about right first? Well, I think it'd be cool if we uh, mentioned something recent that's been happening in the world of pop culture, considering the fact that we talk a lot about pop culture, and that's that Netflix finally released their uh, Witcher series, TV show. I don't want to call it a TV show because it's technically not on TV. I'm going to call it a TV show, their Witcher TV serial show, Uh, and it has gotten a lot of mixed reviews online. Apparently, the critics are not a fan in general. Like, I think on Rotten Tomatoes, the average critic score is, like, 40%. But, the uh, like, fans fucking love it. It's got, like, 92%. Yeah, the one person I know who's watched it loves it. Yeah, I've been hearing nothing but good things from what I've been looking at it. I haven't looked at any of the scores, but I just find so many things now when they get released, it's either it has a high critic score or a high viewer score, and those don't tend to match up. Yeah, no, it's always either the critics love it and the fans hate it, or the fans love it and the critics hate it. Dude. Critics are very out of touch with the fans right <laughs> I, now. I think the last time it actually had a good score on both was probably Endgame. I think Endgame had a high score. Like, it wasn't an amazing score, but both of them were above, I think, 75. At the yeah, it had, I think it had a high fan score and a decent uh, critic score. I think the main thing about this is even, like, with all the good press coming out about it being a great show and all these people who are, like, very fond of it... We still have a whole bunch of shitty fucking memes about how they casted it improperly. Like, oh, it's a great show, but also she's fucking terrible. It's like, cool, but at least it's great. I don't really care if one person's fucking terrible. I haven't gone too much into it. I was waiting to start watching it until over, you know, the the Christmas break. And little nod to all of you there. We recorded this one a bit early, so if anything happens between, you know, Christmas happening and New Year's, you won't hear from us until afterwards. Yeah, we. you might hear from us in... Well, you'll hear from us in two weeks' time, but we will not be recording over the next two weeks. Uh, There was one other thing I want to mention, in that it's more of a rumor uh, going around, so take as much salt as you want to. The PlayStation 5 is a fridge? No. (laughs) As much as uh, a few news outlets might have wanted you to believe that. Which, uh, actually, I would not be opposed to a PlayStation 5 fridge. That would actually be really nice. Full-size PlayStation 5? Imagine the computing power you could fit in something that size. Liquid cooling, might I mention. You have the tap to pull off to get cold water over it, except it's always boiling hot because of the fact <laughs> like you're using it for cooling. It's still a PlayStation, so it still just burns the PlayStation. <laughs> you do one thing wrong. Sorry, what did you want to talk about, Keith? Well, funny enough, it is actually related to Sony. But apparently, uh, the next Nintendo Direct where we're going to do something about Smash is going to be in early January. And a lot of rumors have been coming recently that apparently it's a Sony character that is going to be Ooh, the last one. I've been hearing about that. And uh, I've been reading into a few different rumors and speculations and leaks about who the next potential Smash character is. And uh, cover yours if you don't want to hear, but I heard it was going to be Cosmos from, uh, what's the game? Xenosaga? Xenosaga, yes. Yeah, K-O-S-M-O-S. Yeah. That'd be a cool one. Uh, From what I heard, now the thing is, they haven't said directly if it's a a Sony-only IP character. That does limit what the pool would be a bit, as some other fan favorites might not show up on the list. For example, uh, Nathan Drake from Uncharted is not a Sony character. He's a Naughty Dog character, but right. Naughty Dog has an exclusivity deal with Sony. 
but if they ever left, they would keep the Uncharted characters. So it's one of those things where, is it going to be a Sony directly character, or are characters only showing up ideally so far on the PlayStation? That's still not exactly Linda. If it is Cosmos, as you're saying, that's an example of a non-Sony character that's only ever been on PlayStation. True. Oh, to be fair, they have been on a few 3DS games. All right, I'm getting the thumbs up from Matt, so I'm assuming I can uncover my ears. Yep. That being said, this is an audio podcast, so I don't know how our listeners are going to know to tune back in at this point. <laughs> Assume they took the headphones out and were listening to this on headphones, and are just going to guess and put it back in at some point. That could work. Yeah. So, uh, that sound was me telling you to put it back in, and hopefully you heard it with it outside of your ears. <laughs> You'll feel the vibrations through the podcast. <laughs> anyway, regardless of what character... <laughs> Regardless of what character we get, I am hoping that they do another secret fighter, like the Prana Plant, or a surprise fighter, whereas our new surprise fighter is just Reggie fils <laughs> That would be amazing. Just like, my Reggie is ready. <laughs> and it's him with the sunglasses. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. fils is in the house. So, uh, once again, I think it's at that point where we should admit what our podcast is about for today, because as always... None of you are cheaters, and none of you looked ahead at the title of the podcast to figure out what it's about. Did I? And I don't think anybody managed to figure it out from the clues we gave last time. I, I mean, the laughing man seemed to know what was going on, so I guess I, at least one listener may, knows. Maybe we should ask him next time uh, what our podcast is about. He seemed a little out of it, though. Oh, Just enough. a little crazy. So, Matt, do you want to do the honors? Yeah, we're talking about Spaceballs. I mean, Star Wars, the better one. The, the better Star Wars? The better I feel balls. like a large section of the internet would disagree with you right now. We're starting off very controversial already. <laughs> the best Star Wars movie of all time! Yeah, no. The brand new Star Wars movie. The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. And any thoughts on it? I mean, there's a lot of thoughts definitely on it. Uh, there's a few things you can see when you're going through the story. If, if it's going to be good or bad, it does a lot of things good. And some things feel shaky. Uh, I guess the best way to go about it is let's just go through the plot of the movie and just address things as they come up. Just how this movie goes, it's probably the best way to go about yeah. it. Yeah, I think over the course of the podcast, you'll very quickly be able to figure out whether we liked the movie or disliked the movie. And I have a feeling for all of us, it was we liked certain aspects and disliked yeah. other and, aspects. And uh, generic forewarning, if you haven't seen it, probably not a good idea to listen to this right now. Is there any way to just put a spoiler warning in the header of every single podcast I we mean, ever release? If they're clicking on an episode that's just, is my podcast about Star Wars, the uh, the Rise of Skywalker, and they're like, hmm, I'm going to listen to this, surely nothing bad will come of this, it's their own fault. You True. heard that. If you're getting spoiled by this, I blame you. To be fair, I've hosted fucking trivia events for specific topics where it's like, we're doing trivia events about the most recent season of this TV show, and I start asking questions, and people are like, spoiler warning, or spoiler alert, and I was like, yeah, of fucking course, when I'm talking about the most recent season, I'm going to ruin things about the most recent season. Hey, everyone, Darth Vader is Luke's father, Rosebud is the sled, and Snape kills Dumbledore. What? Oh, and also Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Yeah, Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. Now we can just put a general spoiler alert at the beginning of the podcast. <laughs> is there any other good ones I can go on? Uh, you were crazy the whole time in Spec Ops The Line. Yep. Uh, in Memento, uh, the man is the one who killed his wife, and yep. you find that out at the end. 
Uh, and also, this podcast is fantastic. That's another great spoiler I think we can give away right now. But you won't know for sure until you get to the end of the yeah. series. Yeah, you're gonna have to wait until the very end of the podcast when, <laughs> I assume it ends in murder-suicide. Murder, I think that's how this podcast ends. Murder-suicide, or we find it with the podcast as though they could be related. Or the Mothman attacks. Oh, it's murder-suicide, and it's the one remaining member of this podcast talking about the murder-suicide. <laughs> You're just reading, uh, listening to a long story that lends when Dutch killing each other. <laughs> Alright, anyway. so let's jump into the plot of Star Wars, Star- I guess. I want to mention one thing about this uh, newly released movie before we get into it is... So, the opening crawl, uh, iconic part of every Star Wars, starts with, The Dead Speaks! <laughs> in like a very exclamation type way. And talks about a broadcast that was broadcasted through uh, all of space letting people know. It's like, oh, Palpatine's apparently back and he's here for revenge. I found out that the only place you can actually hear this broadcast is if you're in Fortnite. The broadcast was oh. only released in Fortnite before oh. the movie came out. So his whole broadcast that got broadcast everyone about time of the Sith is now and revenge is nigh is only in Fortnite. Okay, <laughs> so that was the whole Star Wars reveal that the Game Awards was saying was going to happen in Fortnite. Yeah, the event in Fortnite was a bunch of uh, uh, Star Wars, I mean, show up uh, above the game world, and then the audio broadcast displays. Okay. So you could also say that uh, the Star Wars released a slight spoiler fortnightly. I guess so. So, Star Wars releases spoilers the same way we release podcasts. We're on par with Star Wars. I'm I ma- think we broke man. I may like puns, but that that hurt. <laughs> we just we just gotta hit him where it hurts. <laughs> we gotta use his greatest strength against him. The pun. How, how topical. Anyway, I literally just got here from seeing the movie. So it's fresh in your memory. Ish. Ish. I'm gonna need some help getting through the first bit, because that uh, was mainly my main gripe about the movie, was the first quarter of the movie? Well, it, it starts off definitely weird, because we... Find out about this broadcast, and then it's a hard cut to kind of just like a, a best of moments of Kylo Ren just killing people, trying to find yeah, yeah. the holocron or right. the wayfinder. I hate that they call it a wayfinder when it is so clearly a holocron. Just make a reference to something people are a fan of. At the same time, I can understand that an average moviegoer who doesn't go into like deep Star Wars lore, holocrons haven't really come up in the movies before. That's so right. I can see why, oh, it's a Sith holocron that's coming to get this. What the fuck's a holocron? But a wayfinder's kind of like, oh, it helps you find a way. Yeah. Um, so, fun fact about that opening scene. Uh, it actually takes place on Mustafar, yep. which is the island where Anakin, or not island, the planet where Anakin gets cut in half at the end of the prequels. Is oh. uh, Same planet is where the holocron is, or not the holocron, fucking wayfinder is eventually found. Oh, that's neat to know. Yeah. Well, I, I guess, to be fair, a whole planet of magma doesn't make much sense for... You know, yeah, having breathable air. True. Yeah, there's got to be some part that's slightly forested. So yeah, that's the part we saw was the slightly forested part, yeah, which is a cool little sign because like so much of Star Wars is rooted in this belief of like Tatooine, the desert planet, and like we assume that every planet ever is just one biome. So it's cool for them to like go back to a planet they've been to before, but it's a different part of the planet, and like all other planets, it's a different biome. Definitely very cool. And then after he brutally murders the Mustafarians, I guess? Rastafarians? Mustafarians. He ends up getting the Wayfinder, uh, jumping through some weird space cloud with lightning. It it vaguely reminded me of... Solo? 
Well, not only Solo, it also reminded me weirdly of Big Hero 6, if you've seen that movie. <laughs> the part where he goes through the teleporter and he's in this weird cloud dimension to get to the other teleporter. It's vaguely reminiscent of that. I'll take your word for it. And this is where we kind of get into the, the big re- reveal, which I feel like they should have probably put a bit later into the movie. But he gets to the Sith Temple on Exegol, Exegol the uh, Sith uh, primary home, lore, uh, home world, to find out that Palpatine is alive and he's been pulling the strings the whole time. I'm not surprised to find out Palpatine's been pulling the strings the whole time. That's kind of what Palpatine does. Yeah. But... It felt a little bit like a cop-out. That's what I asked. Like, do you feel that Palpatine being revealed to be the big villain of the final trilogy and the saga itself to be good or bad? I, as I said, it feels a bit like a cop-out. Because we already had Palpatine as the big villain of the original trilogy. uh, And you end up killing him off at the end. And then we have the prequel trilogy where we find out that... Some unknown person, if you haven't watched the original trilogy, is the evil Big Bad. Oh, turns out it's Palpatine. Oh, one more for the list. Um, Senator Palpatine is Lord Sidious. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's yeah. another spoiler. Uh, throwing that in there. Then we get to the these new sequels. That's what I'm looking for. Not prequels or original trilogy. The sequels. And it seems like we've got Darth Snoke or whatever as the Supreme Leader Snoke. Well, just to clarify, Snoke is not a Sith or a Darth. He's not anything yes, with the force. He just uses the force. He's which a supreme leader. We basically. kind of find out why in this one. Because the reveal at the same time is that Snoke was just a meat puppet being puppeted by Palpatine. Yes. And we see in a test tube another Snoke. Now, this has a few fun implications to it, I feel, within it. Now, I what you're saying about how it feels like it's a bit of a cop with Palpatine coming back. I feel like there's something we have to address before we go forward to the movie. And that most of the problems I found with this movie doesn't come from the fact that it was poorly written. Or anything like that. It feels rushed, and the whole new trilogy up to this point hasn't had a through line of what the story is planned, which is very clear with the directors being moved between. Well, yeah, you start with J.J. Abrams, who sets up this big plot, and the uh, which follows follows the same lines that it originally the original trilogy did. Then you have Rian Johnson come in, and he's like, "No, I don't want to follow the same plots. I'm going to do my own thing." Then you have J.J. Abrams come back, and he's like, nope, we're going back to that plot yeah, I had. Well, there was supposed to be a third director, but he got kicked out. And from what I heard, J.J. Abrams came in and tried to salvage as much as he could from the original script. But he had to kind of put things together. So I feel like overall what was intended was there was a plan for Palpatine in some capacity to be used within the final. Just because he's the main villain of everything up to this point. So having him there for the end just makes narrative sense. Well, but I don't uh, think he was supposed to be from the beginning in that big of a role. Yes, and I think it... It makes sense that he was here for the kind of big bad of this trilogy. It feels weird the way they kind of put him into that role, but it definitely makes sense given that, like, the whole story up until this point has kind of been the duality between the Skywalkers and Palpatine. So it makes sense for him to be there for the end of the Skywalker story as well. Now, mind you, the whole, like, Exegol, the whole planet and, like, the Sith chamber is amazing looking. Yes. Oh, it looks and just so good. Zombie and Palpatine is so goddamn unnerving that it's great. My favorite part of that was the contrast of everything that we've seen up until this point. Everything was all new tech, like high technology weapons, just general technology. And then we come to this ancient temple where all of this transpires, where Palpatine is located, where the Sith homeworld is just rake down to the roots the very beginnings of the force but also at the same time at this planet we also see more advanced tech than we've ever seen we've seen text tech that can keep a shell of a human being in the form of palpatine alive we also see the fact that on this planet of exegol they've managed to 
essentially imbue Star Destroyers with the power of the Death Star, where, like, now we have hundreds of ships that can destroy planets rather than a single ship that can destroy planets, which makes them a lot more threatening. It kind of solves a lot of the problems people had with the uh, original trilogy, where it was like, why would you make just one of these? Why would you not make multiples and destroy lots of planets at once? Well, uh, we learned a lot of things in this whole opening scene where Kylo ends up having the conversation with Palpatine and decides to work with him. Uh, what you mentioned about the uh, Star Destroyer fleet, I feel like putting a, de- like a Death Star cannon on all of them just kind of is overkill. Because the amount of that fleet, I feel like it doesn't really matter if it can destroy yeah. a planet by yeah, itself. No. Yeah, even so if like, they... Even if there was just like one out of every 10 or 20 of them that had a cannon. Even if they couldn't destroy... Even if they didn't have cannons that could single-handedly destroy a planet... I feel like all of them firing their, like, bombardment cannons at a planet would destroy well, it anyway. That's the thing, because it even gets mentioned in the original movie, uh, A New Hope, that when they find out that Alderaan was exploded, it's like, well, a single ship couldn't have done that. They would need a full armada to destroy this planet. That's yeah. something that gets mentioned strictly. Like, yeah. they have the ability to destroy it with, in the amount of fleet, they probably can just, like, move it across the space map, just slowly taking out planets. But instead, with this planet, what they plan on doing, or with this armada, what they plan on doing, is taking out all of the planets simultaneously, from what I can tell. Which, I, again, like, I was excited to see that the big, scary thing of this final movie wasn't another form of the Death Star, but yeah. actually literally just, oh, it's a sure vast force. But it did open up another question. So Palpatine's off on this planet in the middle of nowhere, building this full fleet. Who the hell is flying the fleet? <laughs> Yeah, we yeah. so we know that the one of the generals of the First Order has been answering to Palpatine this entire time. We find out later on, uh, after Palpatine fully gets resurrected, he like sends out a message to one of the generals to start the plan. And the general's like, of course, Palpatine, I served you before, I will continue to serve you forever. Yeah, and throughout the movie you get these underlying tones that there is this huge secret society that's just been secretly serving Palpatine the entire time. But, but nothing ever that, outwardly explains it. And also, that's a lot of ships. Like, I can understand a secret cult, but this, like, he had to have had, like, you know, at least 50% of the yeah, uh, yeah. Federation or whatever still, you know, good with him. Yeah. And, like, the best part about that is we know that that's not the case because we also find out Finn is not the only stormtrooper to have left the stormtroopers. There's entire planets of people who were just ex-stormtroopers who didn't want to do it anymore and who realized what they were doing was wrong. But Palpatine managed to find a vast number of people who were 100% loyal. And you couldn't make the argument that that's just, like, you know, force-controlled or puppets like that, because, I mean, I guess you could, because we don't quite know exactly how strong Palpatine is in his full capacity, because throughout the whole series, he's always been limited by either he's hiding his presence, or he was old and couldn't use his power to the fullest. Yeah. So he might actually have the ability to just manually control these fleets, but that kind of contradicts some of the ending, in part. We Uh, definitely get... I, I think we definitely get to see Palpatine at full power at one point during this film. Oh, definitely. And it's fucking horrifying. Oh, yes. Now, uh, there was a few more things about Palpatine I want to talk about before we move forward as well. And that's, first off, do you guys have any ideas of how he survived falling into the, essentially, exhaust pipe on the Death Star? Uh, I have one answer for you, and that's that the dark side has access to many powers that most would consider unnatural, Keith. <laughs> you see, I think that line was even brought up in yeah. the movie, Keith. I actually have, uh, the first thing I thought of when I was going for this, and it's kind of like just the natural canon I have in my head of it, is that he didn't. I feel like Palpatine did die, but I feel like due to his worshippers, 
We know that Sith throughout the universe are able to keep themselves alive by attaching their soul to an object of some sort. A Horcrux, yeah. As we found, as we've seen in the extended universe, which is now Legends or Legacy or whatever, because it's not canon anymore. Palpatine used this trick multiple times, where he had his uh, essence literally trapped in an item, and then he would body hop between clones. I feel like they kind of went for a similar thing because, as you notice, his body was falling apart, and he even says, "I died once." Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Palpatine died. And they managed to keep his soul trapped in his body. And I think that's what's going on. I also have a feeling that that's probably how the Snoke project started. Because we see, even though Snoke is like a meat puppet, as you said, that Palpatine's controlling, it's already kind of falling apart as well. Or Snoke was already falling apart the entire time we've seen him as well. So I think it's likely that uh, them creating all these meat puppets originally started as them trying to create a suitable host to put Palpatine's essence into. Which makes sense. Especially when you take into consideration that even at a point in the movie, one of the uh, rebel troops mentions the Clone Wars, all the clones that were created. <laughs> clones and Sith science. Yes. Uh, but it also, in this idea that he did die, but he managed to keep his soul intact, kind of also prevents a big retcon or contradiction to previous things, which is Anakin did bring balance to the Force. Yes. And if he didn't actually die on the Death Star, he never brought balance to the Force. Which also contradicts a lot of voice line from Anakin later in the movie. He's like, bring balance to the Force like I did. It's either, wait a second, chill out. You didn't do shit. Or, he temporarily oh, brought balance. He did bring balance to the Force, he, he but... He brushed Palpatine off the scale. Yeah. Palpatine was removed for some time because he did physically die. And essentially this new trilogy is retroactively supposed to be us realizing at the end, oh, it's Palpatine's plan to come back into power. Yes. So while we're talking about Palpatine and his plan, I think... We should jump ahead in the plot a little bit to one of the bigger reveals, which is that we finally get to find out who's Ray's family, who Ray's family is, and I love the way they like try and cover up like Rian Johnson's influence, where like he was like, "Your family's nothing. It doesn't fucking matter. You don't have to be important in this universe to be important." Uh, and Kylo's like, "I did lie to you. Your family was no one." Because they chose to be no one because they were actually Palpatine's kids and they didn't want to be tracked down by Palpatine. This is one of the issues where I was saying, like, due to just the way that the new trilogy was done, I feel like this movie suffers a lot because it's trying to course correct for The Last Jedi, which I will say right now, I didn't actually completely hate. No, I liked The Last Jedi. There were, I would say I liked the last half of it more than the first half, of course. Yeah. But it wasn't a bad movie. And... This movie does a lot of going back and trying to say, oh, that thing from uh, Last Jedi? Don't worry about it. And, like, they actively tell it. Like, uh, there's a line where they find it with the fleet. It's like, why don't we try the Holdo uh, the Holdo maneuver? And it's like, no, it would never work. It's a one in a million chance. It's impossible. Yeah. Like, just like, yeah, that thing was stupid. You guys all hated it. We're not even going to acknowledge it anymore. <laughs> Fuck that move. Uh, He's like, you don't have to just like, what if we do the Holdo maneuver? It's like, too risky. Yeah. That, that line alone, don't have to say, it's bullshit. Yeah, but that, that also explains... My dislike for the first portion of the movie is because everything at the beginning just felt overly rushed and just streamlined to get right and to the end. And the once it got closer to the end, every, as everything started to culminate together into the grand finale, they had time to expand outwards from everything, I guess, coming together. And that was the thing. They, ha- they felt that, I don't know why, but they felt the need that every time something came up that was any argument that people didn't like about Last Jedi, they had to admit it in the movie. And then try to correct it within the movie. It's like, just ignore it. Just move past it. Keep going. That's yeah. all you need to do. You don't need to, like, acknowledge the things that people disliked and fix them. Like, uh, and also in the whole thing about Ray as, like, oh, you're a Palpatine. You're his granddaughter. I was like, oh, of course. Like, that was one of the theories going out. She had to be connected to the Palpatine family. 
the Skywalker family, or, or some the, people said the Kenobi Obi- family. The Kenobi family, yeah. Uh, but because of what happened in The Last Jedi, I couldn't help but sigh a little bit when it happened. It's like, not that the fact that she was a Palpatine, but just like, he's like, I didn't lie to you. Your parents were no one, as he said, yeah, yeah. because that, they pretended to be no one. That, was that like, line was so disappointing. It was like, you could have just been like, I didn't lie to you. I was wrong. I thought they were no one because they actually put in a lot of work into hiding themselves. Not your parents were no one because they chose to be no one. Here's the thing that comes up because we also find out that Leia and Luke apparently both knew that she was a Palpatine. But they, they, they're really the only ones that seem to know because they can sense it. But I would be fine if they just like Kylo Ren actually didn't see into that because she didn't know who her family was. Yeah. She yeah. just knew what they looked like and what they were like. They left her there to save her for some reason. So it would make sense that him looking into her mind... How would he find out she was a Palpatine? Exactly. So you don't have to do the whole plotline of, oh, I didn't lie to you. I just phrased yeah. it weirdly. Uh, he could just yeah. be like, I didn't lie to you. I was wrong. That's I mean, We get some convoluted memory nonsense where she seems to remember her parents being stabbed. Oh, no, but... that's because she touches the Sith dagger yeah. and sees the last memory evolved with the dagger. Which yes. is it going into her father. Yes. Uh, she doesn't actually remember her father being stabbed. She does have a moment where she remembers her mother and father abandoning her on Jakku. Right. Not so much abandoning her, but trying to free her from Palpatine's grasp. Which, I really like that because that fits in with my idea that Snoke was originally meant to be, like, a body to house Palpatine. Because we find out that uh, she is being hunted and that's why they bring her to Jakku Jakku and hide her. Because she's a Force-sensitive descendant of Palpatine. So, she's the perfect host for his spirit in the future. As he literally says at one point, I need you to cut me down and then my spirit will enter you and you'll become the new leader of the Sith. So she's 19 at the beginning of uh, The Force Awakens, which means, and since it was about 30 years after the end of the original trilogy, there's a solid 10 years there where Palpatine is alive in some capacity and doesn't have a plan of how to get back. So he's probably creating these meat puppet clones to try and host his body. Finds out he has a descendant and that's when the plan changes to turn Ray to the dark side and house myself inside of her. Pretty much. Uh, and that's kind of where the movie actually starts. That's, for all purposes, the whole Palpatine reveal is kind of the cold open. Yes. And then we get a little bit of Finn and Poe uh, getting information about a traitor. The scene itself is kind of not needed, I feel, especially with some other things down the line that happened. But essentially this starts the fetch quest of the movie, which is them going planet to planet to get what they need specifically because the information from the traitor is Palpatine is back. He is with the First Order. They have ten times the army now because of this. And we need to find a way to attack him before he can get the fleet. And we need to find a way to get to Exegol in order to defeat him. And from here they get one clue that leads them directly to the next clue, which leads them directly to the next clue. (laughs) <laughs> which puts them in exactly the spot they need to find the next clue, and so on and so forth. And uh, so the first clue we get is essentially they have well, to go first, to this planet. First they get back to the Resistance, and then Rey, who is doing some Jedi training, running a course, gets consumed by her rage, and just like, rage quits the training. It's like, yeah, I'm I, leaving for now. I kind of get the feeling that it's not so much she... Well, at least this was the impression well, I got, yeah, which was, it was that... more. Her, not her rage, but it was literally Kylo influencing her training. Yeah. Uh, like, through their weird force connection that the two it's of like them like, drawing have. out more of her dark tendencies. Yeah, yeah. And we also get the reveal that, oh, Leia's been training her. She actually is a Jedi Master of a degree. Speaking of which, uh, how did you guys feel that they handled that whole situation? I was actually happy, because I remember after watching the first trilogy, and at the end, Leia hinted that she had a bit of a force connection, force feeling. 
I always thought that Luke was going to end up training her. And at the end of the movie, we finally find out that, yes, he actually did end up training her. So we do find out that in the extended lore, she gets trained as a Jedi. And not only that, but apparently Leia has a much stronger force power and connection than Luke does. Even Anakin, like, she is, like, one of the strongest force users yeah. in the universe. And even in the clip we see, we see Leia beat Luke. Yeah. She, she was, like, a much better one. And they, they even find out wherein they hint at the fact that Luke has a sister in the original trilogy. They say, we do have another hope. And uh, she was always the plan B because apparently she was stronger. I don't know the reasoning behind that. But that also makes more sense, too, when you think about how strong Kylo Ren is, too. Like, she, she was also yeah. a princess, and they didn't want to take royalty away from royalty, uh, I guess. The Jedi don't care about that. True. The Jedi really don't care about that. But it, it's nice to see Lag kind of get that payoff to it. I feel like this was always the plan for the third movie, regardless if they had a through line or not, that... So far, each movie seemed to focus on one of the original three, with we have having Han Solo for the first one, then Luke, Luke for the second one, and then Leia having her big payoff to, we got some inklings of her using force powers and having force connection up to this point, and to find out she's a master and she's training. And she only didn't complete her training because she wanted to keep the door open to motherhood, which feels like a really backwards message. Well, to... the, the thing we find out is the reason she stops is not just because of motherhood, but she sees that if she continued down the Jedi path, she would have to kill her own son. And she didn't want to bring herself to that. Yeah. So um, that's why she ends up putting away her lightsaber. Uh, but it kind of, up to this point, a lot of people have been feeling that they've been using Rey to kind of use the Legends lore of Leia and bring it into the actual canon, which they kind of do. In fact, I believe Leia in the extended universe has a yellow lightsaber, which is the nod we get at the end when Rey okay. has a yellow lightsaber. I, that raised several questions in my mind. So I'm just going to say this right now. Uh, each lightsaber color has specific meaning because when they're crafting their saber, their force essence combines with the kyber crystal, which gives it its color. Yeah, there's <laughs> essentially three main schools within the Jedi training. Yeah, there's Guardians, all... Sentinels, and, and Counselors. Or... It's counselors, sentinels, and uh, guardians. They're, they're all considered knights. And the green ones are associated with counselors, and they're all about kind of diplomacy and using the force as the, their like primary uh, abilities. Yeah, the force solves everything, essentially. Yeah. Jedi guardians are all about using their lightsabers and being some badass warriors and being the main like fighting force of the uh, Jedi. So some good examples of this using the original trilogy, because I feel like this was more exemplified in the original trilogy, uh, not the, original, the prequel trilogy, than the original. Yes. Qui-Gon Jinn had a green lightsaber. He was very much connected to the Force. He believed the Force was the way to do everything, and he used his powers a lot. That's why Obi he loved the midichlorian Count of Anakin. <laughs> yeah. And then Obi-Wan, who has always been credited with being a very good swordsman, had a blue lightsaber. He was more willing to rush in and fight than actually try to use the force. Right. In fact, we rarely see him use force powers unless it's involved in stabbing somebody. Yeah. So the uh, third color, the yellow color, is for Jedi Sentinels. Uh, we haven't actually seen a yellow lightsaber on screen. We uh, have seen one on screen. I believe it was Plo Koon in the original and the prequel trilogy. Yes, we haven't seen like a focus on any yeah. characters with a yellow lightsaber. Uh, they are for the Jedi Sentinels, as I think I maybe already said. I don't know anymore. Yeah, Sentinels, their base is that they're practical means. So they uh, value holding knowledge of the Jedi way, but not relying on it. So think of them kind of as a guardian of knowledge and a balance between force and natural. So they end up 
having access to force powers, but they don't focus on their access to force powers. They end up being capable with a lightsaber and capable in physical combat, but they don't focus on those abilities. They also, the main skill that they have that neither of the other ones have, is they also tend to be the most uh, gifted in espionage and, like, skullduggery and that kind of stuff. All of this fits really well with who Rey is as a character. She's capable of combat. She's capable with the force. She's a fucking spy for half of all of the yeah. movies. Well, this doesn't get mentioned, but the reason that they're so good at espionage is the fact that out of all the Jedis, they're the ones who can actually survive without their force powers. Yes, and everyone they, else kind of relies a little bit too much on their force powers. Whereas these guys can like walk into a room and like go through a full fight and never once use their force and still win. It's also part of the reason why yellow lightsabers are so rare to see because of the fact that they're often practicing espionage and skullduggery. Walking around with a lightsaber kind of very queer, clearly shows the fact that you are a Jedi undercover. So they don't tend to use their lightsabers as often, so you don't tend to see the yellow lightsabers. I think in universe the most co- uh, most likely place you would see yellow lightsabers is the uh, knights protecting the Jedi Temple, Temple of Coruscant Guardians, yeah. had uh, double sided yellow lightsabers. Uh, now I'll just mention just because we did talk about the other three, the other two colors that come up quite frequently. There's purple and red. Red is Sith, and the reason that the lightsabers are it's red because they're using like fake synth- yeah, they're using crystals, synth- right? synth- synthetic kyber crystals. And purple is because uh, it is Samuel L. Jackson's favorite color, and he specifically insisted that they use it for his lightsaber. And then they re- decided in-universe the reason for this was going to be that it was a Jedi Master who has tangled with the dark side internally. Okay. So if you have had uh, experience with the dark side and have been using it, as well as the light side, but you eventually fall into the light, you end up with a purple lightsaber. Okay. Absolutely. All right, so... To the desert planet. To the desert planet. We haven't gotten very far into the plot of this fucking movie at all yet. Yes, onto the desert planet where we find out that once every 42 years they hold a festival in celebration uh, and that makes it a lot more difficult to secretly sneak around the planet. Now, this reference can be taken one of two ways. Between this movie and the original movie, it's been 42 years exactly. Yeah, since the very first A New Hope came out. Some people did mention it is a life festival, and from Hitchhiker's Guide to the the Galaxy, the secret of life is the number 42. Yes. Take it either way you want. Neither, they're not saying, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be taken. Both or either can work. Or maybe neither. (laughs) Yeah. They just picked a number, it happened to work out. But this is where they're trying to find a Jedi hunter who went missing on the planet many years ago, who has the second... Who's a supporter of the Sith and has the second Waystone. Exactly. Either has the second Waystone or uh, has a clue leading to the whereabouts of the second Waystone. And so they end up searching on the planet. This is the point in the movie where they start getting really heavy-handed with people asking who Rey is, and Rey's like, I'm just Rey. And they're like, yeah, but what's your family name? And Rey's like, I don't know what my family name is. (laughs) This really nosy child, just like, hey, no, I want your last name. I need to know your last name, otherwise our friendship isn't real. (laughs) As soon as this happens, they just lean over to the first time to see the movie, and it's like, she's going to say her name Skywalker into this. 100%. She's absolutely going to say she's Skywalker. Now, this is where probably my biggest problem with the movie ends up coming up. And this is, they end up, Finding the ship after they get chased by some troopers is a little fun bit about they fly now. I did really enjoy that yeah. moment where like the troopers launch on backpack or not backpacks, yeah. jetpacks, and, and the, 
first I was a little upset with the scene because they rode out on what looked like wheeled. They were on ride. wheels. They, they were on wheels. They were no. on speeders on wheels. It's like you like, had levitating ones like, before. Why do you oh. go wheeled? And then they act as catapults to launch jetpacking stormtroopers into the air. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. The only logic I can accept, and there might be an in-universe reason for this, is like the fact that the levitating one is using energy to stay off the ground. It can't go as fast, whereas the wheel gives it extra speed. That's the only, like, in-universe explanation I would ever possibly And accept. also gives, I guess, a pivot point for that catapult but yeah, mechanism. Very great. It was just like, oh, cool. More than one person in this universe knows how to use a jetpack now. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> still zero success rate, though. Yeah, yep. still zero... <laughs> Uh, I think there's a couple successful instances of jetpackery, which we'll get into a little bit later. But essentially, this is again where this whole planet is, uh, these scenes from here on until they leave, are where all my problems seem to come from. Oh, there's first off, they get there, they're falling in the sand, and then Finn says, wait, I have to tell you, Ray, this whole time that they get pulled in, never gets addressed again. Uh, no, no. We all know what he was going to say. Poe calls him out, like, at two separate points. He's like, what were you going to tell her? He's like, and he's like, I'm not going to tell you right, her right now. We're later. not in danger anymore. I'll tell her later. And then, like, later on when Ray's not even there, Poe's like, so, what were you going to tell Ray? And Finn's like, fuck off, I'm not going to tell you. Like, obviously he's going to tell her he loves her. But just fucking say the words, man. Jesus. But at the same time, I would hate this development. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing that, like, I fully believe that they were building up to, and I believe this up until the end of the fucking movie, is that uh, Ray was going to end up, like, falling for Kylo slash Ben Skywalker. Uh, only f Or Ben Solo. Only for uh, that to be the moment that, like, Finn comes out and he's like, no, but I love you. Like, even in that end fucking scene, we see, like, Ben and Ray like kiss, and I'm like, yep, yeah, Finn's gonna be broken hearted about this. And because, then they like, he don't even, fucking address it. Because Finn even saw Ray collapse, so Finn must have seen Ben come back, save Ray, and kiss her. All right, let's uh, you well, opened the can of worms. Let's address it right now. How the fuck is Finn Force sensitive? Like, it's like I never addressed before this trilogy. Okay, so this is going back to the original movie, but I always interpreted the Force Awakens as being Finn, not Ray. Because Rey doesn't have an awakening. She always kind of had the power. Yeah. She just learned to use it. Whereas at when a Snoke's about, I felt an awakening. It's right after Finn becomes sentient, essentially. So I feel like they've always been playing with the idea that Finn has force sensitivity. But he's just never used it. And this is the movie where he starts leading into that. Yeah, so they're possibly setting up something for the future. Where the trilogy, or the, the saga is done. But I feel like there's definitely going to be spin-offs. But on that note, before I get into the rest of stuff I hate about this planet, is Finn becoming the worst character in the new trilogy? Oh, absolutely. Because he was fine in the first one. I liked him. He got really annoying in the second one. And then he just got horrible in this one. It was a lot. Because he was literally just planet to planet. Ray! Yeah, he just became a whiny character whose entire character arc was built around his love for Ray that he never fucking admitted. The way his character arc is going, I could totally have seen a situation where at the end... If she's like, oh, me and Kylo are together, and he becomes the final villain because I can't stand for that and tries to kill Ky Kylo Ren. Yeah, she's I, lightning from his fingers. Yeah. I, like, fully expected this to go, like, full Disney and have it be, like, Kylo stayed, like, early on in the movie. I expected it to be, go full Disney, Kylo stays evil up until the end, and Finn stays good up until the end, and, like, they represent her fight between uh, good and evil as her love for Kylo and her... P casual acquaintanceship with Finn. Now, then, after they end up falling in the cave, they 
find a giant snake. The first creature they don't kill in the Star Wars universe, she shows that she has Force Heal. First use in the movies, although it did show up in The Mandalorian the yes. week before. And they escape, get the dagger. She gets visions of her parents. And this is where the most stupid shit happens. They find the ship. They're starting up. The Knights of Ren, which horribly misused in this movie. Oh, I got so disappointed. Like, I saw them on screen. I was like, yeah, we're finally going to see some mediocre combat from the Knights of Ren, I guess. So they're booting back up the ship because they realize they have to go to another planet to get someone to hack C-3PO because he can't actually physically say Sith words. Yep. He but, can read them and he can translate them, but he cannot verbally say out loud his translations. Because he was programmed not to. Yeah. Ray senses something. She goes out of the ship to go encounter Kylo Ren, who's coming at her. We find out the Knights of Ren are there and Stormtroopers. Finn tells Chewbacca to go get Ray, And then, here it is, the stupidest shit happens. Chewbacca gets captured off screen. And from what we see, it's not too far from the ship. So the Stormtroopers no. are loading Chewbacca onto the ship. Really close. Uh, like, within then, line of sight of the ship, because Finn sees them do this. Ray is also just around the corner. They're trying to start up the ship. Well, Kylo Ren is charging at Ray, and she cuts down, and no one's interacting with each other. The, the, the stormtroopers just caught Chewbacca. They're not doing anything to try to stop the ship, or the, clearly, like, their superior, Kylo Ren, who was there, who just got shot down, essentially. Nothing to do to interact with that. I, my problem with this film is how, or not, like, my main problem with this film comes down to this planet, which can be described in just the fact of, the like, how convenient this entire planet feels, where, like, they clearly had somewhere they needed to get them, and they had characters they needed to introduce over the course of that time, so they had to, like, follow this plot, and everything just kept stumbling into the fact. Go like, back to random generic desert planet to do it. Yeah, they go to a desert planet. Uh, while on the desert planet, they stumble around the life planet, only to be discovered by Kylo Ren, which makes sense to me. That one didn't seem super convenient. However, as soon as they're discovered by uh, Kylo Ren, they're also discovered by Lando Calrissian, who was there the whole time and just stumbles into them yes. and saves them. Although I do like how he entered the scene with a crossbow, like good old Chewbacca always used. <laughs> he, uh, not only does he know what they're looking for, he knows exactly where it is because he happened to be with Luke when Luke was looking for it last time, even though he was not shown to have like a super close relationship with Luke in the original trilogy. He takes them to where they're going. They get shot down on the speeders that they were on and they crash into the sand and the sand just happens to collapse into an underground cave. And this underground cave happens to be hiding the exact treasure they were going into the desert to look for. And here's where the second worst thing I feel about this movie is. This movie plays a lot with consequences for misaction but never delivers on it because then the next part happens he's like they got Chewbacca he's in the thing that they're taking him away and she grabs yeah. it and starts pulling it back and then she gets to a tug of war with Kylo and then she gets angry and force lightens it and it explodes yeah and then we're so like we oh think... no Chewbacca is dead she killed Which, Chewbacca at that point I was already like well they've already killed off so many of the original trilogy members clearly they're trying to cut ties and like build up their universe with like these are the heroes now we can't rely on old heroes and then they immediately undercut that moment and they're like Sir, uh, a troop uh, transport ship was destroyed in the desert. Luckily, we had another one right next to it that had a very also, important customer on it. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like, there was no indication there was a second one. This was, like, there was nothing indicating this was the way it was going. Although, sure, that scene would have been a little more impactful with, like, Chewbacca terrified for his life in this ship, if Chewbacca can't be terrified, that's being pulled back and forth by two, like, a Jedi and a Sith user. 
But I was just distracted by the fact that there was a gunner on a turret on the top of the ship, and he was just stationary the entire time, not moving, not even caring that he was being tugged around by the force. <laughs> this is required for the plot. And that's the problem, like... There's no consequences, it feels like, for these characters, especially after that incident well, where they seem to work backwards to get Chewbacca out of the ship exploding. So, quick moment, quick aside, because I've I've been the one who saw this the earliest, so it's the least fresh in my memory. Other than them, like, going back to save Chewbacca, does he have any, like, part in the plot after that point mm, at all? Not really. Although there is one thing that was pointed out to me on the way over here. That uh, I do want to bring up once we get towards the end of the movie. Yeah, so the, the only thing we get with Chewbacca is Chewbacca ends up teaming up with Lando after this. And they are on the Millennium Falcon for the last part of the movie. So it could have just as easily been Chewbacca actually died in that ship to give that moment the consequences that it felt like it deserved. Yeah, and then you have the, Rey's whole fear of what she could become be a lot more stronger. Yeah, given that she has already killed a close friend... And then it ends up going into, they could easily come up with one of a hundred other reasons that they have to break onto the transport capital ship. Like, instead of it being Chewbacca, we could just have easily have had Poe's friend from the planet Well, Navarro. here's the thing, though. The capital ship scene, there's no reason for it. The only reason they go there is because Chewbacca and the dagger are there. If they get resolved on the desert planet with Chewbacca's death, there's no reason to go to that ship anymore. Yeah. The, oh, that's The fair. only reason they went to the ship was all of us... The only thing, the only new information we get from the ship that was anywhere else was oh, we find out Hux yeah. was the traitor. We find out Hux was the traitor Which, and he you, gets killed off immediately after yeah. we find out Which, that. Which, mind you, I do enjoy the motivation of like, I don't care if you win, I just want Kylo Ren to lose. That was pretty fantastic. <laughs> now, here's my thing. You have the Chewbacca thing resolved on that planet. Yeah, because they still wait, go to the next they planet. They didn't even find out that Chewbacca was alive until they got onto the ship. Exactly, she sensed it. And that's why they split up to go for the different things. But they resolve that on the planet, they get the dagger, they leave, do their part on that planet still, and then leave again. You can still have the reveal of Hux being the traitor, but you put it at the end of the movie. You put it when they're doing that big battle of the Rebellion's last attack on the Final Order. You have Hux have a moment where, you know, the satellite's not going down properly, and have that he's the one who destroys it. He is, like, commanding his own ship. He orders his ship to attack and bombard another Empire ship. It goes down. We get the reveal, and then, like, comms open. It's like, he can even do the line of, I don't care if you rebels win. I just want Kylo Ren to lose. Yeah, that would have been a much more impactful And then you have it that, because here's another fun thing. Spoiling a bit of where we're going to go down this. There's a moment at the end where uh, Emperor Palpatine zaps the whole uh, uh, ally fleet, and it goes down. No one dies in this attack. You kill Hux in that attack. You have him alive at the end. Yeah. You have it that he, whether... It, you want to make him do a selfless sacrifice at the end, you can make it that he, like, blocks a good chunk of the zapping and saves a lot of the other ships, or even just he dies. You could even have it be that, like, he reveals himself a bit earlier by shooting on the capital ship or something from his ship, and then have him be one of the ships that gets taken down by Palpatine zapping. You sh show that Palpatine does not care about killing hundreds of his followers on the ship that Hux is on, as long as he also kills the one traitor on the ship in the form of Hux. Yeah, it, it ups the, the stakes of the end fight, because no one died from the Palpatine zap at the end. We had a whole bunch of people die before the Palpatine zap, and then no one actually dies from the Palpatine exactly. zap. So, uh, jumping back in time a little bit to where we were in the plot, they leave the desert planet, uh, and they go to this Navarro in order to uh, hack into C-3PO's memory banks. Another moment where they play with consequences... And undercut it because uh, C-3PO essentially says, uh, you can do this, but I'll lose all of my memories up until this point. 
And Ray's like, what about R2-D2? Doesn't he back up your memories? C-3PO's like, you know that's not going to work. R2-D2 has a famously unreliable memory. And then they're like, all right, I don't know if we can do this. C-3PO, you're the best here. What are the odds that we win if we don't do this? And C-3PO's like... He has this heartfelt moment. It's like, he just walks away and turns around. It's like, I'm just taking one last look at my friends. Now, there's two ways they should have done this. Because, yeah, they immediately give him back his memories when they get back to the Rebel base. They should have had it that it failed, or even partial memories, like the, the current trilogy is gone, but everything up to the end. Yeah, like the original trilogy could still be there while the modern trilogy is gone. Or, I would have accepted him getting all of his memories back if, is there someone that R2-D2 hates in the story, and like just, a character walks up, and it's like, he has no recognition of that. For instance, one person's not in the memory bank, and we find that R2-D2 just really hates a specific character. That would be hilarious. Or if R2-D2 just accidentally installed... A backup of his own memories. We <laughs> just have C3PO walking around talking to beeps and boops like R2D2. <laughs> but I feel like we knew it was very heavily implied, like told that this was the end of the saga. There's no more trilogy movies after this. This is the end of it. Just have him not get his memory back. If they decide they want to make more movies down the line, you can even make a future plotline about getting C3PO's memory back because it but has something important. His memory's already been wiped. His memory was wiped at the end of the prequels to make him a blank character. He was wiped everything. once every trilogy, pretty yes. much. You don't need to give him his memories back to have him be a new character. He can, or to have him be the same character. He could be a new character in the same shiny metal husk. Now, uh, at the same time, this is where we end up finding out about the Force diadem, which is Ray and Kylo, that apparently they share a Force being, which I'm not really sure what that means specifically, but they're a yin and yang to each other, and they share the Force power, so... And that's so why their powers they can, get stronger when they're closer together. And that's or, why they can interact with each other which over long distances. I'm happy that they decided to not backtrack on this from the last one and stick with it, because this was something I thought could have had really cool potentials, yeah. and it definitely did. And the scenes oh, there was, were really cool. Yeah, whenever they fought each other using the diadem yeah. power, it was amazing. And the first yeah. moment that it happened when Ray was on the desert planet, and... and he snatches the necklace off her neck and brings it into his reality... Oh, that was so cool. Well, on top of that, too, like, we got hints of this in Last Jedi when he felt the water off of it and they touched each other on the hand. And then the payoff was, like, I really hope this goes somewhere. And it did. And it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. When they're fighting, like, if things are crashing around them and falling on each other. Now, I do have one problem with this fight. Because he's like, where are you? Tell me where we are. But we know that they can see each other. They just can't see their surroundings unless yeah. it apparently falls in the dive. She's holding the dagger the whole time. She is. Yeah. That It does lead to, like, oh, the right. cool moment of, like... Them, like, clashing lightsabers, and it's slightly destroying the pedestal that the Darth Vader's helmet is on, and that crashes to the ground in his reality, and he's like, oh, that's where you are. Yeah, you're in my room. <laughs> yeah. I'll be Get right. out of my room! <laughs> so, like, the whole time that was going on, I was like, he keeps saying, where are you? Tell me where you are. While they're fighting, I'm like, you're, she's holding the goddamn dagger. <laughs> you know where she is. Just look in her There's hand. There's one of them. <laughs> to be fair... The dagger was also brought in with, like, Chewbacca's other things, which was oh, just yeah. kind of thrown so, in Kylo's room, so it's entirely possible... That he just didn't he know... Hasn't, he didn't know the dagger he was He didn't care what Chewbacca had on him. Yeah. So we go from Navarro to Rey manages to figure out that now they have to go to the planet where the... Uh, is it Yavin that they go to? Where the, It's one of the other moons of Yavin. One of the other moves of, moons of Yavin, where the Death Star Wait, crashed. no, not Yavin, Endor. Endor, Endor. One of the other moves, moons of Endor. Where the Death Star crashed at the end of the original trilogy, and they kind of are going through the rub- rubble of that to find the other Wayfinder. Yeah, they end up meeting uh, other abandoned stormtroopers led by Janna, yeah. uh, who ends up bonding with Finn. And Ray gets impatient and needs to get on the Death Star to find the thing, regardless yeah. of how and long it takes. Well, this, to be the fair, dagger, though, 
you hold it up and you pull out a little thing that points to where it is. That was another one of those moments of like insane coincidence of like the plot convenience because the way that dagger works whereas you hold it out and the edge of the dagger lines up with like the rubble of the ship but, but look, look you could this. stand in like one of any millions of places and that lineup would not work out and she also, just happens to hold it in the exact right spot and at the also exact right the time. force of the waves in that ocean that the wreckage was in that would not look the same in like a week whereas it had been 30 years give yeah. or take I feel like they could have stuck with the dagger, but used it more practically. Like, make it be, it's the key to get into that secret chamber that she got into, or something like that. Clearly, oh, it was hidden there by the Emperor. Maybe it's in the Emperor's throne room. Yeah. It's an easy connection. Regardless. So we get uh, another one of those ridiculous moments of, like, they happen to be in the exact right spot at the exact right time. She heads over on a wave skimmer to get over there. And then Finn realizes she's leaving on a skimmer to get across the ocean through this ridiculous fucking storm. And he's like, we have to chase after her. We have to help her. First of all, I understand uh, Ray's reasoning for going over there because they realize they only have like eight hours left until the end of the universe when the fleet takes off. Yeah. So they only have so much time left and they were told they have to wait at least 12 to 16 hours before they can even get across to the ship. I understand her lack of hesitance, but... Finn's immediately like, she's going to die out there. We have to chase after her so we can die next to her. It's like, you're providing her no help by chasing after her in the skimmer. Help get the fucking Millennium Falcon up and running so that you can, like, pick her up from wherever she gets to. Also, Finn being on the down Death Star has no bearing on yeah, the story whatsoever. Yeah, completely useless. He was just there to call her name it's just and whiny, get in the way. Whiny Finn. Again. Whiny Finn again. He, you know what it is? It's the fact that his name is fucking Finn. Like, Finn Wolfhart. All Finns are trash. <laughs> Realized it now. That's why I hate him. Oh, no. You hear that, Finn Wolfhart? You're getting called out again. You thought you were safe, but you're not. I can't wait till Finn Wolfhart finally writes to us and then calls you out. We then... get an email from Finn Wolfhart. It's him challenging me to a fight, and I'd lose that fight inevitably. Because <laughs> he just brings his bodyguard who beats the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah. A little. And admittedly, in this part of the movie, Ray was being a little angsty and annoying also. Well, she is, but, but they're playing with the idea of, will she go to the dark side? Yeah. Or, which and is I did, exemplified by being angsty in this universe. Yeah. Yes. And I did really like that scene where she went into the room to get the Waystone and fought the Sith version of herself. Yeah, I yeah, really like that. And that was a really cool lightsaber. Yeah. Well, that also, like, solves so many problems because, first of all, we get this kind of... Uh, another mirror of Finn to, or not Finn, Ray to Luke, where Luke, when he was training to become a Jedi, also saw a mirror of himself inside Darth Vader's costume. Yes. And realized, oh no, this is potentially a path to the dark side. Well, that's the thing. They both realized that the thing that they, like, fears will ultimately will lead you to the dark side, and both their fears was the fear of what they themselves would become. Yes, whereas Ray uh, has a similar vision, except she sees herself in the same robes that Palpatine wears, seeing herself becoming Palpatine. Which is especially poignant because at this point she does not know she's a Palpatine. Yeah. None of us know she's a now, Palpatine. The thing that I liked about this is because this version of her wasn't aggressively trying to kill her. Because its message is don't, like, be yourself, essentially. was what this woman was trying to tell you. It's like, oh, that's kind of nice of you, evil force spirit. <laughs> but at the same time, the, the theme of this series seems to very much... If, there, if you had to pick a theme for the new trilogy, it's hope and choosing your own destiny... Uh, and also, like, the Force is not 
evil or good. It's just the force. Yes. Those seem to be the central themes that flow around. And also friendship. So I very much thought that this was going to end with no Jedi, no Sith. It was going to end with just the force. Her yes. being the new force user. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was really hoping it would almost like lean towards like the Knights of the Grey who realized that the light side or the dark side, uh, neither one's good, neither one's evil. They're both just different aspects of the force. It's just... You have to learn to literally find balance in the Force. Yeah. And, and we'll touch on that a bit more when we get to the end, because there's a few more things we have to get to before going over Palpatine's plan as a whole. At this point, she gets out, she has the Wayfinder, Kylo Ren shows up. One thing I do also want to talk about, the little vision she has of evil herself, is it does allow them to have that moment from the trailers where we see her wielding a dual-bladed red lightsaber, yes. and we have that moment of, what the fuck, does she actually go evil? They get to, like, throw that in just to create extra speculation. Exactly. Which was very nice. But yeah, she has this battle with Kylo Ren, where Kylo finally reveals to her that she's a Palpatine, takes the Wayfinder that she had found, and destroys it. He's like, the only way you're getting to Exegol is if you come with me. And then they fight. Now, this is a pretty cool one, because it's at this point, Leia immediately feels it. She knows that this fight is going to end with Kylo Ren's death. She, This is what she sensed all those years ago. She interviews, the same way much Luke did, and ends up dying because she was the last of her force to yeah, project to herself. to try to communicate with Ben, with uh, Kylo Ren. She gets through at the exact moment that Ray ends up taking his own lightsaber and killing him with it, essentially. Yeah. yeah. But Stab she also hears stuff. Leia's message, and she realizes what she did, and that's when she ends up giving some of her force energy to him, which I think only works properly this way that brings it back from the brink of death because they are a diadem. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. I... Well, I think the reason that it works for him is because, yeah, they're diodes in the Force and they kind of pair each other. So that's why she can bring him back. Whereas normally all the instances we've seen of Force healing is like it can heal someone but or it can accelerate healing, but it won't create life where there isn't some. Now, I, I think this instance it's because he's still alive and she they have this kind of pairing, this diode that brings them together. Later on in the movie... Uh, she fully dies and Kylo brings her back. And I think it's this moment that allows that to happen. Yeah. Because as she literally says, I shared some of my life force to bring him back. He literally just gave her her own life force back to bring her back from now, the dead. Uh, what I will say is when the Kylo Ray fight starts, from this point on, there's no complaints from me. Yeah. There's a few oh, suggestions. The rest, the I have a few ideas of what could make it better, but I feel like it was good from this point out. Yes. No stops. Well, that also was really cool because that's the first time we've actually since the original movie or since the force awakens we've seen kylo and ray actually fight together in real time whereas like all the times we've seen them fight in this movie it's been that weird diode fighting yeah where they're not in the same space but they can yeah. sense and feel and each they other. used it to their own benefit in one of my favorite little scenes <laughs> uh now uh the cool thing about this one too is she ends up healing him and it's kind of the symbolic end of Kylo Ren. She does kill Kylo Ren, but, but that allows Ben Solo to yeah, live. The, she kills off Kylo Ren, which gives uh, Ben Solo the space to live. She steals a ship, takes off, and is ready to give up on the Jedi way and goes off to the planet. But then we get an interesting scene with Kylo Ren. Now, I have mixed feelings about this one specific thing because I feel like it's pretty obvious to everyone who watched it or knows about it. I don't think it was supposed to be Han Solo he was talking to at this point. I feel like it was 100% supposed to be the Force Ghost of Leia. It was absolutely supposed to be the Force Ghost of Leia. Uh, However, Carrie Fisher was dead, so they couldn't exactly film that scene. So they had to do a quick substitution. Instead of it being a Force Ghost, it was Kylo's memory of his father that he kind of spoke to. Now, I have some problems with this. I very much enjoyed the scene, and I like the the play on words. In fact, that when Kylo Ren's about to tell him something very important, he says, I know. Yeah, that was fantastic. (laughs) But there was a few things I was thinking about in this scene, aside from just how did they convince Harrison Ford to come back. Because 
you know, he was very happy to be out of that. But I feel like due I to think, the circumstances, I he think was, he did it for Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I don't think he did it because they managed to convince him. I feel like what would have made the scene a bit more less confusing because the idea was like, I was like, we well, can't be a force ghost. He's not a Jedi. He's not a master. Yeah. They should have made it an actual memory that related to the situation. So yeah, actually like, have a, like a flashback moment while he's just sitting there looking at the waves. Yeah, Cause they were standing on a precarious cliff of the wreckage. They could have easily transitioned to that precarious bridge that they were standing on where he killed Han Solo. Yeah. Just have him play with the memory and like, have something added to the scene that because we didn't were, see ourselves. Yeah, and they were standing in a very similar position in relation to each other also. Because I know there was a, a big theory at the same time when it happened that Han turned the lightsaber on. Yeah. yeah. It was Han that let, helped, like, Kylo kill him. Not for the fact of, oh, I'm going to help my son to the dark side, but knowing in the situation they were, if he was to switch and all the troopers around them, they weren't getting out of their alive. Yeah. So that was his way to save Ben by killing himself. That you could have that payoff by having us see the memory again, but have and, it edit scene have it actually show where the you actually see Han do it. Han push the button, and then yeah. he throws the lightsaber away, for finally giving away with the dark side. Like, oh, a lot of people sacrifice themselves for me to get to this point. Yeah, I have to return the favor. Yeah, because at that point, both of his parents had sacrificed themselves to save him. Uh, also, in the movie's defense. The movie was starting to get a little long at this point, and they needed to get to the climax, the best part of the movie. Yeah. Well, before that, we do get the part with Rey when she goes back to the planet Luke was on, and she's burning down the ship. It's like, I don't want any oh, yeah. of this, and she's about to throw the lightsaber, <laughs> and then Luke catches it. Luke catches it, and he's like, uh, a Jedi should never throw away their... Like, you should treat a lightsaber with more respect than this. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, it's a nice line, and it does harken back to the... Uh, beginning of The Last Jedi. But this line was only said once before by Obi-Wan Kenobi to Anakin. So, uh, yes, we get Luke kind of explaining to her that, like, I I like the line of, I was wrong to think that I would be The Last Jedi. Because he, like, has this belief that the Jedi way should die with him. He sees Rey acting in all her capacity. And that's when he comes to the realization, like, no, you're, I was wrong. You were right. You should be a Jedi. Uh, You should uphold the Jedi way. Uh, as you are and then we also get another cool little callback which is uh luke pulls his x-wing out of the water which we saw him fail to do multiple times he finally did it he finally succeeded (laughs) he wasn't on that island because he was in solitude he just couldn't get this x-wing out of the water which is great because now we realized uh the line that uh obi-wan kenobi said where if you strike me down i'll only come back stronger than i ever was before it's now true we see luke is stronger with the force now that he's dead finally strong enough to lift that x-wing <laughs> yeah he finally got there his training is complete uh so he convinces her to stick with her path and she grabs the wayfinder and heads off to yeah X-wing. now that this is clearly fan service that she's in luke's x-wing with the wayfinder flying into the palpatine with and she's using uh, Red 5 is the code that she's broadcasting so people can follow her yep, into the yeah. storm. Like, That's uh, Master Luke's old signal. It's like, uh, R2's memory banks must be crossed with his logic processors. He's saying that Master Luke is uh, <laughs> sending out a signal. That can't be possible. He's dead. <laughs> Just a quick reminder to everybody, Master Luke is dead. <laughs> uh, but this ends up, she gets there, she's working her way into the temple to confront Palpatine as the fleet is getting ready to attack. Lando goes off with Chewie to try to rally the rest of the galaxy, the galaxy which the bring like brings up one of my favorite lines, which is what Poe uh, is told on Navarro and then ends up telling the uh, rebels uh, during that time or the revolution, whatever you want to call them. Uh, he ends up telling them, uh, we're not alone. The First Order wins by convincing us that we are alone. And that ends up being a major plot of like, all of the galaxy is on our side for this. No one wants the yeah. ga- uh, them to be in charge. 
Everybody wants the rebellion to win. We just need to get people to convince them that this is their chance to support us. Yeah, so they end up launching their final attack as they do. We also see that Kylo Ren has also landed on the planet right next to her, uh, her X-Wing and it's coming there. And with since, his handy blaster, which he's pretty good with. Yeah. I yeah. guess he is a solo. Yeah. And but he shoots first. <laughs> he does shoot first. <laughs> Solos <laughs> always shoot first. Hot <laughs> McClunky first. <laughs> uh, but essentially, in the confrontation with Palpatine, we find out essentially what Palpatine's plan is. He gives a whole spiel to... Uh, Ray saying, oh, you're going to be Empress Palpatine, you're going to use your rage to strike me down, and then all of the Sith power will flow into you. Personally, I don't take that's exactly what the plan is. I don't think she's in charge anymore. I'm pretty no. sure he's just trying to body hop. Because yes. someone who has a force capacity that can withstand. Yeah, yeah her and striking him down in anger will be her accepting the dark side, and having a force user who's connected to him in that way, who's also fully accepted the dark side, is just going to give him the proper vessel for him to... Inhabit. Yeah, so it's kind of like a perverted way of what Obi-Wan said to Darth Vader. It's like, if you strike me down, I become stronger. But he's twisting that, in a sense. Yeah. But he does go back to his old ways of... Opens up the ceiling. Your friends are dying yeah. up there. Yeah. And on that the note, only way to save them is to take over the Sith and then choose not to kill the like, rebels. I guess. It's like, it'll be your whole army. Yeah. Wink. On that note, on opening up the skylight, it's like, yeah, you hear the thunder. You hear the crackles of thunder in the distance. But he opens up the skylight to show her. Oh, all your friends are here fighting and dying. So you got to save them by. Uh, Killing man taken over as the new Sith Lord. Then all of these ships are yours to command. I just want to say that that would have been the perfect moment. Probably will be the perfect moment to throw into the uh, YouTube series How It Should Have Ended. <laughs> uh, he opens the skylight, does his spiel, and then all of a sudden wreckage of a ship just crashes <laughs> on him. <laughs> well, uh, uh, there's something I want to touch on here because uh, there's an interesting concept that hasn't really come up before where... Uh, before this point, the Jedi keep telling her that she's once she reaches her full power, she'll be able to channel all the previous Jedi Masters through herself. And he's saying the exact opposite of, like, I'm channeling the full Sith power of, like, all the dead Sith. Which, up to this point, the Sith aren't able to live past death unless they do, like, a Horcrux type thing. Yeah, we specifically have been told that the only way to live past death is as a Force ghost. The only way to do that is to be a Jedi... And I believe Qui-Gon Jinn explicitly explains that it requires a truly selfless life in order to come back as a Force ghost. Yeah. So, it opens up some interesting dynamics. You can consider it a contradiction. It depends on what he means by it specifically. Uh, I, knowing the fact that Sith can't live past death, and that's why they do so much weird shit to try to live past life, that I took it more of the ages of power and knowledge of previous Sith lives in him, and it'd be transferred to the next person. So whoever the Sith Lord is has knowledge of the previous Sith. It also abilities. might be some aspect of the whole two Sith rule where there's only ever two Sith at a time. It might also be that like what Palpatine's planning on doing of transferring his soul into Rey has been a thing that has happened multiple times beforehand where there's constantly a Master and Apprentice and just the way the Sith work, the Apprentice always ends up striking down the Master at some point and taking over as the new Master. And when this happens, the Master's spirit is somehow transferred into the apprentice to grant all the powers that the master had and to the apprentice here's definitely one of the interesting things about it too is the idea of you know the power of two we know that the force will try to balance itself out if there's too much light power it makes the dark side stronger even if there's less people it makes their power equal to that and that's also part of the reason why the power of two exists because the sith the one sith is super strong if there's few of them but there's a lot of jedi the jedi kind of undid themselves because they had a bunch of jedi but they were so weak in the force because there was less Sith. That also yeah. does explain one of the like gripes I've always had, which is that 
we find out uh, from multiple stories that the one of the Jedi rules is you're not allowed to reproduce and have children. Uh, and like one of the main complaints about this is the one Jedi we have any history of actually reproducing and having children gives birth to two of the strongest force users in the world. Why wouldn't they want the Jedi reproducing? And that kind of explains with the balancing nature of the Force. If the Jedi do reproduce, they're just going to create more Jedi. And the way it's going to work out is either they're going to be forced onto the dark side and be corrupted by the dark side to bring balance, or those members of the dark side are just going to become even more powerful because there's yeah, now... the Force will always try to naturally balance out everything. That includes the users of the light and the dark. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that, that's the interesting concept we get. And this kind of led me to the thinking of what I thought the ending was going to be. It didn't turn out this way. I, through this whole movie, felt that the ending was going to accumulate into there was no more Jedi, no more Sith. It was all going to be just Rey, a Force user. And that is what truly brings balance to the Force. There's yes. no light or dark side anymore. It's just the Force. I thought that she, when she achieved her Jedi self and she was able to talk with the old Jedi and she strikes him down, the dark would also enter her. So she would have the ancient Sith uh, line and the Jedi line both within her, essentially combining the two sides. Yes. And that would be the balance. Didn't happen that way. No. Uh, one thing I, so the theory I had, uh, going into this was kind of what ends up happening, which was that, uh, the title or the name Skywalker at this point, uh, the name rise of the Skywalker, I always thought hearkened more to the fact of it's not the rise of a specific member of the Skywalker. It'd be something like, akin to the gray Jedi. Yeah. Where the Skywalker would become a title of a force user, uh, rather than like Jedi or Sith, there'd be these neutral, uh, beings called Skywalkers who use the force. And that's kind of what ends up happening in that she's not super neutral, but she does become a force user and just takes on the title of Skywalker for herself as her new family name. Yeah. Um, which makes sense because I think both of the force ghosty Skywalkers she speaks to fully accept her and are like, yeah, go ahead. You're a Skywalker now. <laughs> well, we uh, support you. Uh, to finish off the uh, fight with Palpatine, actually. First, I would just want to go back and mention, this is where one of my favorite scenes in the movie happened. It was yeah. just a tiny little thing. Just before Rey looks like she's about to strike down Palpatine, and uh, Ben Solo is fighting his way to Palpatine. Getting his ass kicked by uh, the Knights of Ren. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Ren, the yeah. diode moment where she yeah. passes she, him the lightsaber? She puts the lightsaber behind her back like she's about to do an overhead swing, and then... Kylo does the same to, thing in his room. It's like he's surrendering, and then... Uh, he pulls out a lightsaber from behind his back. All of the forces that had him surrounded, they flinch back like, wait, what? And then yeah. he fucking well, shrugs. Yes, then Ben's like, ta-da! Especially because of the fact that, like, the Knights of Ren know that Kylo Ren is a very powerful force user and are probably aware that the only reason they're kicking his ass right now is because of the fact that he doesn't have a lightsaber. So the moment he pulls out a lightsaber, they're like, oh, well, no, we're fucked now. That's what happens, we're fucked. The best part of that scene, though, was his little ta-da. Yeah. <laughs> he kills them all. <laughs> but then they both team up to fight against Palpatine. Palpatine ends up siphoning some of their life force, which returns him to his prime, which is, oh, shit, and he starts zapping the shit out of yep. all the ships. Yeah, so this is the Completely moment we see him at... EMPs the entire resistance force. Yeah. Physically drains a lot of their force powers because they refuse to bow and become members of the dark side. Uh, so he, we get to see what I fully believe is prime Palpatine, which is rather than force lightning a single person to kill them, he force lightnings the entire goddamn sky and, yeah, shuts down all of the rebel ships simultaneously, leaving all of the Imperial ships online to do whatever the fuck they uh, want. Let's not forget, he also picks up Kylo Ren and says, You will fall like I once did, and throws him down a hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and there was a little flash of lightning, too. Yeah. 
Uh, but also during this, it's also when Lando shows up with the cavalry, and this is definitely a goosebumps moment because like he's like, "Oh no, we're gonna lose." Uh, Poe's like being like, very "I really negative. thought they would come. I'm sorry." Yeah. And it's like we did, <laughs> and then they just all show up. It's like, "Yeah, it's like, you're like, not alone." We, we get the general of the final order, which is what they're calling the new organization to take over the first order. We get the general of them being like. What is going on? I didn't realize the rebels had an armada. And then, like his top advice was like, they don't have, they don't have an armada. It's just ships. It's just <laughs> people. And then uh, they fully wipe out the armada as Rey gets back up. She has a moment where she hears all the Jedi voices. We get surprising enough. It wasn't just the ones from the movies, but we also got ones from the cartoons as well. Yeah. Yes. We also uh, get to see she stands back up, and we see her do what Mace Windu never could, which is. Uh, he starts lightning bolting uh, her and she's like, oh, I'll take out my lightsaber and deflect it back at you. And this time there's no one to stop me from doing this. You're going to die as <laughs> yep. a result. You threw away the one other person who might have cut off my and arm. she's a little too far away to do any work. So she pulls out a second lightsaber so she can get closer. So here's the thing. When this was happening and she had the lightsaber and it was lit up and it, she was deflecting back and she pulls out the second one. I was like... Wait, do those connect? Is she going to get a dual lightsaber for, like, the last thing? No. Oh. She puts them together, crosses them, and inflicts it back. And first off, Palpatine just doesn't stop doing his lightning. He knows yeah. how this works! He's seen it with Mix Windu before! Yeah. And this also breaks the chain, because Ray doesn't strike him down. He strikes himself down. So where does his soul well, go? Here's the, I, I think it does work out the way that she strikes him down, and she would get the Sith thing, but she also dies in the situation. So I feel like it doesn't transfer mm. because of that, and then it gets brought back by Ray, uh, uh, Kylo or ben, ben, who pulls himself out, uses the last of his force. They have a moment and they kiss. I'm mixed on this. Yes. I feel like it's not required. I can understand why it would happen, but it doesn't change it either way. I feel like that connection was clear there. Uh, they win the day. Then uh, Leia's and Ben's body disappears. Ben doesn't make sense because he shouldn't be a master. Nope. No. But from what I've heard, I was looking at some extended lore pieces about the whole thing and all that apparently what happens is because they're a diadem his essence essentially goes into ray so ben is still alive in a sense but he's within ray. i guess that makes sense because especially if he was kept alive because of the life force that well that ray the, gave the fact him. that they're a diadem they're a balance of each other so technically the only way that their essence can fully be gone is if both of them are dead right yes. where ray's still alive and his body is gone his soul had to return to her so, essentially, there are two Force users living in the same body with Rey as the dominant, which could open up some pretty cool things down the line of, you know, Force Ghost Ben only being seen by Rey, mm. or them sharing knowledge or stuff like that. So, really cool things. I'm mixed about this because I understand why Ben had to die. It makes sense narratively. He had to have, like, a, this Vader arc because he didn't do a lot of bad shit. He no. couldn't be properly redeemed if he ever, like, went back to the rebellion. He's like... I'm a good guy. I'm the daughter of your general. They'd be like, no, you're fucking Kylo Ren. We First off, you're the son. Don't try any of this bullshit. <laughs> it's the typical Star Wars thing of as soon as you do something bad, you're slated to die. But, but I was kind of hoping throughout this movie, I started getting the feeling that Rey was just going to slip to the dark side and Ben was going to come back to the light side and they were yeah, going to swap sides. There was like several hints that that was what was going on. He was clearly conflicted. She was clearly conflicted. It felt like they were going to swap sides early well, Here's on. the thing. The whole dynamic of them being a yin and yang, I felt like having them both lived actually would have made the potential forward a lot better. Yes. Yeah. Because them working together to use a balance of the Force and not just her being a Jedi, I felt it worked a lot better. Now, this goes into a fact that I had a few other ideas of what could have made the ending here better. If they were going to kill off Kylo Ren, 
he wasn't really present for the fight against Palpatine. I feel like it makes a lot more sense for both of them together to defeat Palpatine. And in the concept, there's two ways I thought that this could have been the way to do it and it would have been a lot cooler. First off, they're died in power. Make it that she can't get an attack and because of Palpatine's attack coming in. So what if Ben Solo throws himself using the Diadem where he's down in the hole? He actually uses the Diadem ability to put himself in front of her to take the attack as she attacks through mm. and kills him. So he essentially takes the blow for her. Yeah. Which it would have been cool. Or she had two lightsabers. They could have just been both of them there crossing their lightsabers to fling it back yeah, at her. Yeah, do something similar like they did to Snoke. Yeah, it should have been both of them working together to defeat him, not just Rey overcoming it, dying, and then Ben bringing her back. Yeah. Because clearly the dynamic has always been those two as being related to each other in the uh, method of completing the yeah. series. But also on the topic of Ben turning back to the light side, I want to bring up a tiny little detail. At the beginning when you see Ben just cutting down his people on the planet... Most of Rastafarians, yes. yeah. <laughs> um, the way he was wielding his lightsaber was very aggressive, very like strong, swinging it around haphazardly, almost. But when he turned back to the light side, it was more with finesse that he yeah, was he actually holds it using the light as side. as opposed to saber. down to his side. Uh, yeah, he holds, like, that's one of the key differences you can see, is when he's on the dark side, he holds it down to the side. And he also, one of the moves I've only seen dark force users see use, and, like, we see it when... Ray like is channeling the dark force a couple times. Is they'll like flip the light sort of around and hold it so it's coming yeah. out the back of their head and then stab backwards. I don't know why that's an ability only dark force users use, but I've only ever seen uh, users of the uh, dark side. I think it's just stabbing in general is like a dark yeah. side thing. It's slashing is more of a light side thing. Stabbing because there's not a lot of ways of parrying a stab is much more of a dark side move. And then of course uh, they all celebrate. She leaves. They have their big moment, and then of course they get to the end where they're celebrating. We get a few little other fun little things I, here. I want to throw in something. Uh, I like how they clearly heard the outrage of the internet and was like. Alright, fine. It may not have happened during the original trilogy, but fuck it. Chewie finally gets yes, a goddamn medal. That's yeah. what I that Chewie was brought to me. Uh, Wedge and Tilly's shows up during the final battle, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, on top of that, we also have a moment with Lan uh, Lando and Janna where he promises to help her find her spinoff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hinted that Janna might be his daughter and that we're going to find out an extended lore coming forward, like the comics and that, that he, he did have a child that was taken and that's what they... Most people think that's hinting at. Yeah, I think mm. that that was my thought when I watched it. Uh, there were a few other issues that I had with it. For example, Rose seems to have been heavily sidelined in this movie. Yeah, I, well, Rose was introduced in the second one. Yeah, so it's part of that thing where they just felt like they were trying to clean up The Last Jedi so And they were much. trying to, like, scrub everyone's memory. Which is shame because I actually had no problem with Rose. I the only problem I had with Rose is I actually felt that, narratively, Finn dying at the end of Last Jedi to take with that canon would have been a better... Yeah. yeah, especially, especially because we wouldn't have had shitty Finn for exactly. that movie. Uh, on top of that, uh, my biggest gripe, which is the stupidest thing with the whole movie, is we never got Ray with a dual lightsaber. Oh, but like I feel like that's like we the see... one she shows at the end. I feel like is a double lightsaber, and yes. it's got the yellow saber, which uh, I believe Leia also used a double yellow lightsaber. And the other side is the purple. And the other side is purple. It probably isn't. It's probably double yellow. But like, oh. it also makes sense because. Throughout the first two fucking movies, whenever she doesn't have a goddamn lightsaber, she's using her staff from Jakku, and it's a fully fucking full-length staff, not a sword-like yeah, thing. she uses it double-sided, as you do a staff. Now, with the epilogue, essentially, where she goes back to the moisture farm and has her moment at the end, she does... The old, we also get an old lady that's just really particular about what your last name is as well. Yeah. Why do so many people care about this? And then, of course, <laughs> Leia and Luke's force goes appears, and she says... Ray Skywalker. Yeah. I have a partial problem with this. 
Now, considering she decided to go full into Jedi, so there's light side still, which means we're going to have a Sith pop up eventually again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she picked Skywalker, called that at the beginning of the movie. I feel like if she would have said just Rey is a much better bookend to her story. Yeah, it's it doesn't matter who I am. I am Ray. That is all I need to be. Yeah, she doesn't give a last name. She's like, oh, it's just Ray. Her coming to terms with I am me. It doesn't matter anything about my past, yeah. my lineage. Especially, like, if they balance it. Because the first interaction with the fucking child on the desert planet uh, is like, what's your last name? She's like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Yeah, and she seemed upset. Oh, it's just Ray. Whereas, like, if, if at the end she's, like, confident, she's like, Ray, that's my name. That would have been, uh, I think, a lot better of a balance. Also, I like the concept of her not knowing what her last name was going to be until she looked over and saw that. And there's a numerous other things that could have been Ray Desert. <laughs> uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Moisture. Ray, Ray Moisture. Ray Luglea? Ray Sand. Uh, Ray Killed by Their Son. I Ray, mean, shit. <laughs> Ray, Ray Forest Ghost. Ray Forest Ghost. <laughs> uh, could you imagine her actually doubling down? It's like Ray Palpatine. And just the response of that old lady just running her ass off into the desert. <laughs> Wait, like, like the Emperor? Exactly like the Emperor. He's oh, my you know grandfather. My grandfather. <laughs> well, was. I kind of killed him. <laughs> and it just turned lightsaber on. <laughs> yeah. so, so you better start running. This brings me back to one of my things, which is I really wish they had have gone with her taking the title for uh, Skywalker. Not so much as like a last name, but as like that is her role in the universe and Skywalker just being a title for Force users who don't go light or who don't go dark because we have a lot of experience of Skywalkers having a difficult time with the light and the dark. Also, the Skywalker role has always been the role of bringing balance to the Force. So it makes sense that they are neither light nor dark. So it would have been a lot cooler to me if you had have had Rey become, like you said, she gets both all of the Jedis inside, or the spirit of all the Jedis inside her, as well as the entire Sith lineage inside of her. And she becomes this kind of neutral observer of the universe. And then she can pay attention and actually keep balance in the Force. If she finds that there's too many light side users... She can channel the dark side herself to keep the force from correcting itself and adding power to the all existing dark side users. If there's too strong of dark side users, she channels the light side herself to keep the force from trying to bring balance to the universe. She can act as the balancing measure herself rather than allowing the force to balance for her. That's true, and I, I feel like with how they were going so much into the Jedi needs to end, the Sith need then. It would have been so much better if she just denounced being a Jedi and a Sith and just like, I just use the Force. Yeah, I'm we, just a Force user. I'm in not... fact, in the extended universe, we know that there is no truly dark or light side to the Force. It's, it's just, just the force, force and it's how you use it. Yeah. Uh, now, since we've gone through the movie, I do have an important question that's definitely going to cause a lot of conflict for anyone who listens to this. I want you guys to rank the Star Wars movies now. Only the nine movies with the uh, hmm. Rise of Skywalker in it. Now, while you guys think about this, I'm going to give you what my opinion on the list ranking is now. I believe still to this date, Empire Strikes Back is the number one movie in the series, followed by A New Hope. And then where it gets controversial, I think Force Awakens is number three. I think then Return of the Jedi for number four. Now, here's where it's going to get interesting. I think Rise of Skywalker is number five. I feel like it's a good movie the whole way like the whole way through. There are issues I have with it, especially in the middle part where it seems disconjoined. But I feel like what makes a Star Wars movie, this movie does hit all of those beats. After that, I would put Revenge of the Sith because for Revenge of the Sith, I feel like it's a probably the best movie of the prequel trilogy. It was most connected. Uh, then uh, Last Jedi, I would have for number six. The reason I put Revenge of the Sith over Last Jedi is, as you all know, the Poe, not the Poe, the Finn storyline of that one was just completely useless. In fact, they could have evacuated everyone off the ship using that technique, just going back and forth and no problem there. 
But the movie was really good when that final beat started. So when everyone returns back to the chase, that, that from that point on, the movie's amazing. And then uh, for the end of it, I will put Phantom Menace and then finish off with the worst movie being Attack of the Clones. That's fair. Now, to specify why Phantom Menace is not last place, but Attack of the Clones is, Attack of the Clones was a very boring movie. It just kind of had a lot of going around and talking to each other. Now, yes, Phantom Menace is very lost in what it's doing, but it had entertaining parts, and it introduced dual fates. Yes. That alone makes sure that it's not the worst movie. Oh, no. Uh, I don't even think uh, Phantom Menace is going to rank in my bottom three because of Duel of the Fates. <laughs> Duel of the Fates is worth all of the sins of the prequels <laughs> to exist, so I'm absolutely ranking the Phantom Menace. It gave Menace. us something of use. That, and it also gave us... Oh, so many memes. There are countless goddamn prequel memes that make the prequels worth it, but Duel of the Fates is absolutely my favorite part of the entire fucking prequel, so you know I'm going to give it a little bit uh, higher of a ranking than perhaps most people would agree Phantom Menace is deserving. That's fair. First up, starting off, is Star Wars A New Hope. The uh, good. Yep, the very first one. Then the Empire Strikes Back in chronological order starting. Well, no, 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 in terms of what it set up as the universe. Because it gave us a bit more expanction to Like Midichlorians, and the thing everyone As was looking aside for. Aside from that, and also the fact that I loved Darth Maul. Darth Maul was Darth great. Maul was Darth incredible. And Dual Fates. And yes. underused. Darth Maul was underused. And sure, the fight choreography was way over the top for that final fight between them and Darth Maul, but I don't know, it was still fun to watch. Oh yeah, that was definitely the most hyped thing from that movie when it came out. And... It did change the face of what lightsaber duels were from the old one of just two old guys smacking sticks together. Yeah. There was actual choreography to the fights. It was great. And then I'd say The Rise of Skywalker. Because, again, the beginning I didn't really take to all that much, but the end was absolutely phenomenal. Then I'd probably say Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Say Attack of the Clones, because, again, it's uh, less action. I'm not as... The action's not as important to me as the story setup, and Attack of the Clones did have a fair bit of story setup to it. Did I say Revenge of the Sith yet? I didn't say Revenge no. of the Sith yet. Revenge of the Sith, the next, and then lastly is The Last Jedi. Because I found 90% of that movie just completely useless and pointless. <laughs> I found the Finn stuff useless. The rest of it was good. And I'm, I'm a little torn at this, Matt, because you put Revenge of the Sith so low, and it's clearly the best of the prequels. So, uh, I got my list now compiled as well. So, first up, I have Empire Strikes Back. It's just so good. It's so good. Next up on my list, I have A New Hope. I gotta give credit to the one that kind of started it all. It was also a fantastic movie, although... It also gets more points because it's the first Death Star and not it being reused. To, yeah. But I wanted to go to the Taji station to pick up some power converters. It's just like hitting Walmart with my T-69 back home. <laughs> Uh, so then we go on from there to The Force Awakens is probably uh, third on my list because I really liked the stuff that they did. They actually tried to try some new things while also rehashing the old script. So far speaking my language. Fourth on my list is Phantom Menace because as I said, Duel of the Fates deserves all the credit in the fucking universe. <laughs> also, yes, uh, 
the Darth Maul was also phenomenal. Yeah. And I wish he had have appeared in more films than just the one. I literally, two Halloweens in a row, went dressed as uh, Darth Maul. <laughs> got my face painted up like Darth Maul and everything. Literally one year had someone follow me around playing Duel of the Face. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, next up after uh, Phantom Menace, I have uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Because I actually found this one quite enjoyable. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities, but I still think they did very well. Like, give it away. Goddamn, dual lightsaber. Exactly. Or allowing a fucking Grey Knight instead of fucking Sith and Jedi all the goddamn time. After Rise of Skywalker, I have Return of the Jedi. From there, I go to The Last Jedi, because, as Key said, it's not amazing, but it definitely has very good... There's some really good stuff in it, Yes. And then, uh, in no particular order, I have Revenge of the Sith and Attack of the Clones. At least you put Attack of the Clones where it belongs. <laughs> yes, Attack of the Clones, you know what, no. Very particular order, Attack of the Clones is bottom of my fucking list. <laughs> <laughs> you see, because a lot of people, I remember saying that Phantom Menace was the worst one for the longest time. I, I feel like recently people have started looking a bit more fondly onto the prequel trilogy. But at the same time, the biggest problem with Phantom Menace uh, was that... Charger Banks. No, it wasn't the Georgia. It had nothing to do with the characters. It was the fact that we weren't really following anyone. It was yeah. just we yeah. were watching events unfold. Yeah, it was a bunch, main character. It was a bunch of events rather than an actual yeah. plot. And it, that, that's kind of it got disjointed because of that. Yeah, it yeah. felt more like since they were trying to set up the start of the whole Star Wars universe that was already started with the original trilogy. They're like, okay, uh, where do we go with the story? Let's just set up a universe. Now, even with that though. I always found that Attack of the Clones was the weaker movie of that original tri- uh, the prequel trilogy just because there wasn't really anything plot-wise going on. No. Which, it it was very much so the middle child of the yeah. trilogy in that it knew it had to get from here to here and it was just the layer that carried us from one point to another. It was carried... just a lot of floating with Padme that made you go, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That... Yeah. The thing, like, the thing about Jar Jar, Jar Jar... Has his issues, I will be the first to admit that. If you're going to complain about Jar Jar, complain about the fact that he gave Palpatine his supreme chancellor powers. But, god damn, when you read the fan theories about how Jar Jar was meant to be a Sith Lord, if they had actually had the balls to do that story in the prequels, it would have completely changed Jar Jar and made him probably most people's favorite character if they had allowed him to be a Sith Lord who ends up getting killed off and freeing the way for Palpatine to take over. By far. Jar Jar doesn't get enough credit. He also gets more credit than he deserves, but simultaneously also doesn't get enough credit. I do want to briefly touch, since we're talking about Star Star Wars anyways, I want to briefly touch on the other major Star Wars property that came out recently and the slightly different point of view that everyone has, which is The Mandalorian. Have you guys had a chance to watch any of The Mandalorian? Uh, No, but I know all the plot involving Baby Yoda. I I know lots about Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda's phenomenal. So, first of all... I'm uh, still on the fence. That's right. Baby Yoda is interesting. Uh, I do enjoy how many people are arguing about whether or not we're allowed to call him Baby Yoda, but to be fair, that's a much more concise sentence than Baby of the same species that Yoda is, because we have been yet to be given a name for the species that Yoda is. I mean, really, it's Lucasfilm. uh, The problem that we haven't gotten an actual name for this. I mean, at least give him a name in the series. We've seen several species, or several members of this species. Yoda and Yaddle. Yeah. Give us a fucking name. Extended Universe has an insane number of Yoda species. You know what I got? I'm calling him Yippy from now on. That's his name, Yippy. We're gonna... Baby Yoda's now Yippy. I'm starting it here. But the amazing thing about the show is it does what, like, a very few uh, Star Wars things have had the balls to do within the accepted canon at this point, which is it does not give a fuck about the Force and it does not give a fuck 
about the Skywalker lineage or any of that major plot. It's essentially a spaghetti western where it's just the Mandalorian flies to a planet, realizes there's the problem, helps solve the problem, realizes he can't stay now because he's just going to create more problems for the planet he just helped tidy up. Well, here's the funny thing for me as a fan of Star Wars. The thing that's always been most interesting to me was not the Jedi or the Force power. It was the pilots. The piloting stuff. So, like, Wedge Antilles is one of my favorite characters in the universe because his whole thing is he's an ace pilot. I liked Poe in this one, not because he was a well-done character until this most recent movie, but because he was the ace pilot and he did a lot of cool things in the X-Wings. It's the space battles I've always been interested in. Yeah, exactly. And this gives us an opportunity to see badass battles between multiple characters where the Force doesn't have an impact on the story at all. Yes, Baby Yoda has access to the Force and uses Force powers, but, like, that's not a major plot point. Like, there's a couple points where, like, people want to take back him. We get to see the first on-screen use of the power, using the Force to heal someone through Baby Yoda trying to do it early on and then accepting that he can do it later on and saving someone's life. But also, it's just... I think it's a really phenomenal aspect of what Star Wars could and should be where... It's not focusing on this overarching fate of the universe stuff. It's focusing on these small stories that can exist in this beautiful universe that they've kind of created for themselves. And I think they should start accepting more shit in outside of the Star uh, Skywalker saga and building stories around that. That being said, you know who that story is not going to be built around? Poe. Because one of my favorite things is I saw an interview with the actor who plays Poe and the interviewer was like, uh, if there's ever a chance for you to like continue this character's story arc maybe through like a Disney Plus type thing would that be something you're interested in? and he just goes no and just starts laughing for like 30 seconds straight <laughs> that or he already is signed up for one and he's just really bad at lying and he's trying to play it off like no never never not gonna happen fuck you Tom Holland fuck you uh so yeah uh check out The Mandalorian it's phenomenal star Lucas Arts slash Disney make more shit that's just not about the Skywalkers the Skywalkers are great and all but you've built a fascinating universe. Take advantage of the universe that you have and put other stories yeah, in it. Literally bury their lightsabers at the end of the movie. Just bury them. Literally just write a fucking murder mystery set in this fucking Star Wars universe. I will watch the shit out of oh, that. Well then, thank you for listening to our podcast. Uh, once again, it can be found on all major podcast streaming services. Tune in two weeks from now, bi-weekly, not fort- fortnightly. Not yeah, fortnightly, bi-weekly. Tune in in a fortnight to uh, hear our next episode. Yep, that's when our next episode will be. Uh, email us if you want to comment, have any suggestions. Well, let's take a quick second to check the email to see if we have any new emails. Suggestions or corrections? Um, nope, we're still perfect. Excellent. Fun, cool. fun fact, we're perfect. Now, that email, if you want to try to prove otherwise, is what is my podcast about at gmail.com. Spelt yeah. the way all of those words are normally spelt. What yeah. is my podcast about at gmail.com? So if you'd like to hear us ramble, then uh, like, leave a comment, subscribe if you would be so kind. It would really help us out. Now, one thing I want to address before we do end the episode. We decided we want to try something a bit different with having three special episodes a year related to three special days for three special boys. The three most important days of the year. Uh, for those of you who don't know... Natal Day? Uh, yes, it's Natal Day, Natal Day, and Natal Day a third time. We celebrate that over the course of a long weekend and take all three days. Get ready for three episodes specifically on the same day. <laughs> uh, no, so each of us is a human being. Go so, on, Keith, you explain So we all have our birthdays, and again, we have to, all three of us, agree on an episode. So, essentially, we wanted to give a chance to speak about something that maybe we can't get the other two to talk about. And we force them into it, so we each have our birthday episodes, which are gonna have that... We are going to give the hint going to the next episode, and the other two hosts are going to be in the same boat as all of you viewers, 
not knowing exactly what the next episode's going to be. They have to try to figure it out and come to the table with as much information as they can. I swear, so, Peter, we better not be talking about Teletubbies. So, for those of you who aren't aware, uh, Keith's birthday is coming up very soon. So, Keith has first access to this power. Me and Matt have no idea what our next topic is about. Usually before we start recording, we already know like the next three episodes out. But due to a quirk in the system, we have no idea what... Well. Me and Matt have no idea what the next episode is going to be, and Keith and Matt have no idea what the episode after is going to yep. be, so that's going to be Peter's birthday. So, uh, these episodes, knowing how knowledgeable I am on all these topics, you're probably going to be more knowledgeable about these topics than I will be. Yeah, so, even for your own birthday, Matt, that's a little bit of a low <laughs> yeah. So, because of that, I ended up coming up with what I want to do for the next episode, so be ready for that, and yes, I'm getting to that, Zach, calm down. Anyways, it was clear as day when I was having my morning coffee. The letters D and P, get ready for it. You're getting called out again. You thought you were safe, but you're not. <laughs>